good morning, church. I trust you're, you're well. Uh, last week, I stood before you and I wasn't feeling that great, I have to say. But the, the eye of the storm has passed. And now the eye of the tiger stands. You know, the thing what comes to my mind is this, is in the valley of the dry bones <coughs> that Phil read to us and we sang about before, the key, the, the valley becoming, standing back to its feet was what God told him to prophesy. Because unless God speaks to you, there is no way of your life being updated and upgraded. It's what God can speak to you that will determine whether you can change, rise above, and stand. True? It's what God can speak to you. It's not what God says, it's what God can speak to you. If God can't speak to you because your heart is hard or you are full of opinions, then you can never be upgraded or updated in God. And we all need to be upgraded and updated. We've been talking about, for us in our church at this point in time, God is awakening us to so, in so many areas. And I keep coming at this from different angles because we need awakening in so many areas. And, and each one of us is a different area. But we have to keep speaking to a collective so that the individual can keep hearing the word come to them and God can keep speaking his word to you so that you can come alive. Just as those dry bones, age has nothing to do with dryness. Dryness is, is a state of heart and mind. And sometimes dryness appears because of the past history you have. The past the past disappointments and sadness and, and the pad, uh, past rejection that people have had that can create dryness. Other times, it's because we just drift and shift and we wander and wane in our life, everyday life. And it's so easy to go into that place called existence and maintenance. It's so easy. We, we do it all the time. So very easy. <clears throat> you know, have you ever wondered when you drive your car, how you get your car from one side of the city to the other. And you think, how did I get here? Well, I drove, I stopped at the lights, I observed people, but you just seemed as if you're in another world. Have you done that? And you think, all of a sudden, I, I, I kind of come out of my, my days, my dreams, and yet I've been on automatic pilot. The car's been, the car's been driven a simple way, I've stopped at red lights, I've gone through green lights, I've, I've give way when I should have give way, everything was automatic. But yet I was not there somehow. I was somewhere else in my thinking. That easily happens in church. You can be here but somewhere else. Yeah? The Bible says in Joshua chapter 8, sorry, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. I'm just going to read them to you because we've got a lot of scriptures to go through this morning. And I know your people get sore. I don't want you getting paper cuts on your Bible. <laughs> So Joshua 1, eight and Psalm 139, you might just want to click the, note them down. It says, don't let this book, now he's giving him an instruction. This is a legacy moment. This is a passing of, on of the baton at this point. He has given an instruction to another generation and he's saying, don't let this book. Why is this book so important? Well, I'm going to tell you. Don't let this book of the law 
depart. In other words, don't lose it. Don't let it be dried up. Don't let it come dry. Don't let it become ordinary in your mouth. Don't let it depart from your mouth. So your mouth must keep on speaking what this book is declaring. And this book must be able to keep on speaking to you so that you can keep on speaking what it's saying. Because there at your mouth is the river. And the river is the flow. It's connected to your heart because out of the heart, the mouth flows or speaks. So it's the river. So he says, don't let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on it. In other words, think upon it. And then he says, you, need, you might need to do something else. When you think, you need to be careful to do everything written in it. And then there's the part that all charismatics love. Then you'll be prosperous. Now, all charismatics want to be prosperous. But before we become prosperous, we have to do some things. And the prosperity is linked to the instructions given. If you can't take instruction, why do you expect to be prosperous? Come on. If I take the instruction to sow into this field and I do it, I have a right to expect a harvest. So I obey the instruction. Now I'm getting the prosperity from the action. Yes? Someone says, invest in this stock. It's at a good price, so people invest in it. But their greed keeps them in it too long. Or too... Or t- not long enough. The greed for money makes them bet more, invest more. And then in Psalm 139, it says this, How precious to me, <clears throat> come on, finish it off, are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains on the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Now put those two scriptures together. Put the book, the law, the word, the living word. Put the fact that you have to meditate on it. Put the fact that you have to do and be careful to do all that's written in it <clears throat> alongside meditating on the word. You will never med- you will never Meditate and think about this word if it's not considered precious to your life. Because you only guard and govern that which you deem precious. That which we don't, we become, what's the word? Lackadaisical, careless, familiar. It's a good word. And when I'm awake, I discover that God's still with me. God didn't switch off when I went to sleep. God was always in the background, upgrading me, updating me in the middle of the night. God's working on my spirit and my mind. Do you know that? Bible says it. Though I was asleep, my heart was awake. And I can, my heart can awake to, to God. So when I wake up in the morning, straight away my mind is focused on the very thing he told Joshua to think about and to do. So thinking about, how many times do we think about something but never do it? All time is the answer. Thank you for your honesty. Oh, I only thought about that, but I didn't do it. Last week I shared the story, uh, the, the testimony when I was in Bulgaria of how God powerfully gave us a word of knowledge through the worship. We began to see this, this lady was beginning to be strangled. She had a spirit of suicide on her. I thought the woman was in the congregation. 
Later on that night, when it finished, this old couple came in. This is in Bull area. This year at our youth camp, this old couple come in and they're crying and they're, they're very disturbed that they have a testimony. They say, we have a daughter and she's got a, she's dying. She's like, she's taking this voluntary suicide upon herself. And I said, that was, inst that was the very thing that we saw in the meeting earlier on and we began to take authority over it. Well, later on, fast forward in the story, the the, not last Monday, the Monday before, I was in the car park and I felt the Lord say to me, talk to Gordon, that's our guy in Bulgaria, talk to him and find out how that testimony went on. So God spoke to me in the car park. I did not obey what God said. I got distracted. I was going into another shop. I'll do it later. And then later, uh, two, uh, a day later, Gordon calls me and tells me the testimony of the girl. I could have known a day or two earlier, and I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit at the time. I just thought it was just my conscience, my voice, and my, con my own conscience. But God was showing me that I want you to see something here, son, that when I speak to you and you, you then begin to speak to what I'm telling you, results can happen. The long story is, is the husband and the wife who were in America, the parents are in Bulgaria. She's dying. She, she's got a spirit of suicide upon her. The moment we're praying, he doesn't know we're praying, but he sees a snake wrapped around his face. It's like he's in a trance. And all of a sudden, he saw the snake fall to the ground, and his wife, for the first time, said, can we go out for something to eat? She hadn't eaten. She had no desire to eat. She was almost like on a hunger strike. She sold herself to dying. The spirit of death had come on her. But because here we are thousands of miles where we can pray in the spirit, there's no time or distance in the spirit. See, what I meditated upon, what I thought about, I began to speak out. What we begin to sp speak out began to have an effect on the earth. This is why this book is so important. Now, I was awake to what God was saying at that moment, but there's many other times when I'm not awake, as on that Monday, I wasn't. So I can, be awake on a, I can be awake on a Sunday, asleep on a Monday, half daisying on, on a Tuesday, and then go through the rest of the week. You have different kinds of alertness and sluggishness as you go through the week, depending on your week. True? But the Bible tells us to meditate. Did it tell us when you're happy or when you're sad? Did it tell us when you're glad, when you're mad, you're sad? Did it tell us when you're busy? No, it just says do it. He didn't tell us when to do it. He just said do it and never let it Go. So it must become a daily habit and responsibility of ours to keep on meditating because what you think on will upbraid you and update you. And I'm going to give you another testimony. Last week when I stood here and I confessed my, my plague was upon me, I knew that I didn't want to have authentic sonship last week because I knew this cold was at the back of my throat. I could feel it. I wasn't being negative, I was being realistic. It was there. And I thought, give myself a week, I'll be okay. So that's why we're having it this week. And last week, you know, we, when men get flu, ladies, you think you've given birth, but you've never had a man flu. It's the worst thing in the world. Even God Almighty comes at the side of me and comforts me. Because you know, man flu is serious. And when I was feeling sorry for myself, and my nose is dripping, you know the scene, and on Tuesday, I'm thinking, I can't sleep because now I have this cough, and when I lie down, 
it kicks in. But when I'm on my feet, I'm not coughing. So I'm trying to sleep and it wakes me up. And so early in the morning, I decide I've had enough. I'm going for a walk early in the morning. <clears throat> so I get up and I thought, I'm going to find a place. I didn't know where I was going. I just thought, I've got to go for a walk, get some air, get my mind clear. And I thought, I'll, I'll, have a, I'll find a secluded place where I can have a time with God and complain to him about why I've got a cold. That's the wasn't open, yeah. That's the wasn't open. And I find this nice little secluded garden. It's a public place, but it's beautiful. It was my Gethsemane. It was a beautiful place, just me and the squirrels. And a squirrel came right up to me. I knew I was in Eden. And I'm praying and I'm beginning to pray. And I'm beginning to ask God some questions. Not about my cold, serious questions. And I begin to ask God some questions. And instantly, as I'm asking God, God began to answer me. It was almost like the Q&A was brilliant. God, because I believe sometimes when you have a quiet time with God, you can have some Q&A with him. Questions and answers. God, why do you say this in your word? Wait, pause, meditate, think upon, wait for a response. What do you mean God speaks? Absolutely, what's the point of talking to someone? I say to Kelly, if you don't answer me, I'm not talking to you. So why should I speak to God if he won't answer me back? Now, I can't force God to answer, but God wants to answer. God's, I haven't got a problem with God answering. God's got a problem with me listening and being patient enough to listen to what God is saying because God is trying to update me and upgrade me. And he does this through what you think upon. Let me say that again. God is trying to upgrade you and update you, and it's dependent upon what you think upon. If I think upon the wrong things, that's going to come upon me. I'm not going to get the answers I want. So I began to think, and that this verse came to me time and time again, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God? Because I got two answers to two questions that I feel is very significant for me and my life. Yeah? And you and I can have that kind of interaction with God every day. You have to find your place. I found my apple tree. I found my garden, I found my apple tree, and I'm not telling you where it is because I don't want you there when I'm there. <clears throat> hey? <laughs> but it was great. I wasn't being crucified. I didn't have to fear the high priest coming to hunt me down in my Gethsemane. I didn't have to ask the disciples to pray with me, could you not keep watching me for one hour? I didn't have to have that, it was just me and God in this garden. And it was beautiful. And it did dawn on me, and I am talking about my apple tree, that's from the Song of Solomon, in case you wonder what it is. He took, he took his beloved under the apple tree, and there he spoke. God put me under his apple tree and began to speak. Albeit, my apple tree had no leaves on it. And God began to speak. And every time God speaks, I realize how precious are your thoughts. Because you've given me access to an understanding and to information, upgrades, updates that I cannot find in any library. When you speak to me, Lord, you, as the source, are speaking to your son. When you speak to me, there is no, there's no, there's no uh, what's that, interruptions from anybody else. It's just from source to son, source to son. It's a beautiful relationship when, when, when the son can connect to the source. And the source can connect to a son and a daughter. It's a beautiful place. 
And Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 says, After this I looked, so something's gone on before, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice that I first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I'm going to show you what must take place. And at once I was in the Spirit, <clears throat> and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper, canelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled by the throne. I love this scripture. You might want to write some, things, some thoughts down as I'm saying these to you this morning. Whenever God sees your heart is ready for an upgrade, an update, God will always open, God will always provide an open door for you to walk through. Whenever God sees your heart is ready, whenever God sees your heart is ready for an upgrade and an update, God will open a door for you to walk through it. Because behind that door is all that you need for the upgrade and the update. Sometimes God speaks to update you. He tells you things you didn't know. Other times when God speaks, he upgrades you with confidence, boldness, faith, courage, healing, forgiveness. There's so many other things that God does when he updates and upgrades. God brings updates us to bring us into knowledge and a, a, a wisdom that we didn't have previous to that conversation. Yes? God updates us because God upgrades us by his presence and how he touches us. We're, we're touched by his presence and we're never the same. We're upgraded. Amen? So whenever God sees your heart is ready for a key upgrade, update, God will always provide a door for you to walk through. Now remember, there is a world of difference between being willing and being ready. Emma and Paul spoke to us last Sunday. And they talked to us about the different part of their message was being willing and being ready. So many people are willing, but they're not ready. Well, Lord, I'm willing. If you want to say what you want to say to me, I'm willing to hear you. That's not the same as, Lord, speak, I'm ready to do. Yeah? Some people are just willing to let you speak. Others are ready to take the instruction from what comes from you. There's a difference. The, the people uh, in Paul, I think it was Acts 19, they might get the chapter wrong, the Areopagans, they were willing to let Paul speak to them about this new God. But they wasn't ready to embrace his message. And so many people are willing to give you a, sh to, to, to give you a shot, to give you a chance, but they're not ready to embrace and God sees that you are ready, not willing. When God sees you're ready, he can provide an open door for you to go through so that you can get what you need to do what you need to do. Amen? He says, after this I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. He could not have come into heaven if the door hadn't been open for him. And God was about to tell him what was about to take place. God was about to update this prophet in future events. And here we are today talking about his update. And from what he saw, we also have to be upgraded. 
Yes? Because now we are so much imagery that that generation didn't have. And we could just be just as confused as he was. So when we see a hornet, how many interpreters have said, that'd be helicopters? Or it must be, because they're trying to compare what he said with modern day technology. You can't always do that, but it doesn't stop us trying. Because we're hungry for some answers. So, and here's the thing about this door. There is a door, the Bible says, that no man can shut. And there's a door that no man can open. You can't open a door to some spiritual understanding if that door is closed because you're not ready. And the difference, the, listen, the problem is today with prophetic ministry, it's not so much the ministry, albeit it is to some degree, <laughs> I'm contradicting myself but as I'm having new thoughts. The problem is the, the, the immaturity that's in the church. They want to come to the church and they, want, they don't love the word, they just want the prophecy. And because they want the prophecy, now they're treating us like a soothsayer. It's no different than somebody going getting a tarot card reading. But this is the people of God. Tell me, Lord, what's the future for my life? But hang on, what good is the future if you don't embrace the word? What good is the future? It's not where you're going in life, it's who you're going with. Destiny is about the one who's taking you on the journey. Not where you're going so much, it's the one who's at the side of you. Come on, a lot of people are going to a lot of places. If you don't know him, and you can't, and he can't upgrade you on this journey, then stop. Stop. You're kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself. I am where I am today because of the one I know. Paul says, I know who I believe in. That journey was very clear. He says, I, I resolved to know nothing else except him. Paul was doing what he was doing because of the one who was on. When I was on this road, he comforted me in the cold and in the shivering nights, in the shipwreck. I knew the one who was with me, who sent me. If you can't know, if you can't know the one who's, who sent you, then you're on your own. You're on your own, my friend. The next thing is, <clears throat> he says, and I heard the voice. And the voice I heard. And the voice I first heard. Underline that, I first heard heard the and the voice i had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet let me say this that voice that you originally heard speak to you at the moment of your salvation is the same voice speaking to you on the journey if that voice changes something has changed in you it has to be the same voice. You know why? Because that's the voice God is tuning everything inside of your spirit to. If your spirit can be tuned to other voices, we will call you by a new name. It's called Mr. and Mrs. Confusion. I heard the voice of one calling in the wilderness. There's a voice. There are many voices, many noises, but there's just one voice. And it's that voice that God is trying to tune you. And as you think upon, as you meditate, as you don't let that book depart, as you realize that that one voice is precious. Because it's the one voice that cuts through the storm. 
And it's the one voice that can tune you and raise you up above all confusion or depression. When you can recognize that voice, you, my friend, are never on your own. And that's the confusion that's in the church today. There are too many voices and too many noises and there isn't the voice. When the, when the opinions of men are given every time and every opportunity, is it any wonder we create voices? We must not create our own opinions. We must not develop and just project our own opinions. Though we have opinions. But we must keep our opinions in line with what the voice is saying. It's so important. I cannot get up to you and just give you all my opinions. I must speak what the word's saying. And at times I'll get it wrong. But I'll get it right more than I'll get it wrong. You know why? Because I'm determined to tune my ears to make sure that doesn't happen. Yes? And the voice I heard first... That word, underline that, for the voice you heard first. This is the real, this is Jesus Christ. The voice that appeared to you the moment, the night, the day, the circumstance, the event that led you to Jesus Christ. There's a voice on the inside saying, I am the way, the truth, the life. There was a voice that caused you to reach out and take hold of Jesus. It was a voice that said, he is the way. This is the Christ. The same voice that showed Peter. Who do people say I am? You're the Christ God. You're the Christ of God. That's what he said. That voice had already convinced Peter that the man speaking, the man leading us, is the Christ of God. You must know this, my friend, because you will never be awake. Never, never, you'll never be kept awake if you don't know this voice. And this concerns me in the church today that Christians just do not know the voice of God. This is the voice that is trying to tune you on the inside. Because this voice sometimes is very silent. This voice doesn't have to be loud, but it is, it's got to be clear. Amen? Why? Because it's crucial to upgrading your faith. You can't hear God. If you come to church, here, here's one for you. If you come to church to hear God, and only come to church to hear God, then go and reset your Christianity through. Because a lot of what I'm saying should be confirmation to what you've already been hearing. Because if we're in the same spirit and we're listening to the same Father, what I'm saying should bear witness with you. It should. If every day is a blank page and it's new to you, something's wrong. Hmm, never thought of that. That's because you never thought. It's because you didn't think upon. Judge 10 verse 16 says, I have other sheep. Who are not of this sheep pen. So let's just put that in context of a church. God has other believers who are not part of this church. Is that true? Of course it is. We all came from somewhere. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. So even though there are hundreds and thousands of congregations, there's one church. Even though there are thousands Hundreds of thousands of pastors, there's one shepherd. Is that true? But here's the thing. Listen to what he says. I must bring them also. So God has to tune his church, his many-membered seed. He has to tune them to his voice. Now, they're not all going to believe 
the same doctrine necessarily because they all have their own opinions. Right? Now, the point is, is they must all have the same fundamentals. Yes? You may be Calvinist. You might be an Armenius. You might be something else. You might be numb to what God is saying. However, that voice must tune the whole church. Because on the day he returns, the trumpet blast is the voice. And it must tune us so we all recognize him and see him. We're all going together. True? What a day that's going to be. We're going to hear that trumpet. I've often wondered, what's that going to sound like? What's the key he's going to hit? I don't know. I don't know. We'll just go, I, don't, I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's just going to happen. And all I need to know is I could be on a building site. The chances of me being on a building site probably. <clears throat> but I could be in a loud place, and this trumpet's going to be sound louder than all the other noises I hear. Or whether it's going to be a silent internal frequency that all of a sudden, you know what the dogs do? They do that. The meerkat. We're all going to be like meerkats, aren't we? What? In the twinkle of an eye. Ah, oh, the great one. <laughs> and then he says this. Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. I must be willing, you must be willing, we must be willing to go higher and deeper. Because God's got things to show me and you and us of what's going to happen after this. What's this? Well, let's just put one this in. Let's, let's give you a definition of what this means after Brexit. After the Spanish Revolution. Right now, there are things taking place in our world. But God's got to take us up higher to show us what is about to take place after this. We must have an understanding of what this is and what is actually taking place. You've heard my thoughts. I've made my thoughts abundantly clear to you about what I think Brexit's all about. I sent emails to you. Why? I felt as a pastor, I needed to blow that trumpet. It wasn't political. Never got political. I just give you from a spiritual perspective. Doesn't make me right, but I know I'm not wrong. You can determine what you want from that. However, God must show us what is about to take place after this. Now, the good thing about our house is this. We are not an after this generation. We was involved in this. We pray diligently through this. So we're not thinking, oh, all of a sudden it's turned bad for us or it's turning good for us. We've actually been part of the process. Yes, spiritually, we are slightly ahead of maybe some others. We're not the only ones, but we, we, at least we were diligent. We stood on our wall and we're praying it through. And I said to you, we must, on the morning of the vote, I said we must pray through the negotiation. Why? Because there's a lot, this is only just part of the journey. There's a whole bunch of stuff we've got to face when we get through this negotiation. And it's quite clearly, the left didn't know what the right was doing. And still don't know to some degree. But God does. And his church must see what he is doing, not what they're doing. Because they haven't got a Scooby-Doo. They're, they're working through the darkness on this. But we, 
who were working in the light can pray for those who are in the dark. And we pray for our government. And we must keep on praying for our government. Make Britain strong. In every way, shape and form. Not just economically, spiritually. So after this, you want to underline that in your Bible. And I'll show you what must take place after this. Some stuff is happening. And you need upgrading and updating as to what is going on. You need to be awake to know what's going on. See, that's why he says, come up here and I'll show you from a different perspective. You must go higher. Well, how do I go higher? Do I go, to a, do I go to a Bible college? Do I go to a university? Do I go to a library? No, start in the spirit. On all occasions, pray. Because on all occasions, you'll get upgraded and updated. Hello? Can you see this? And then what was his response? Here's the readiness of the man, not the willingness. The readiness of the man says this. At once, I was in the spirit. At once. In other words, you took me up. You wanted to upgrade me. You saw my heart was ready. You chose me for this upgrade. In fact, this was business class. God gave business class in the spirit, upgraded him. And at once I was in the spirit and I was ready to take notice of what you were saying about what is going to take place. Because I'm sure they thought that they would still be on the earth. To some degree, they probably thought they were going to be part of the, of the, the situation. Now remember, when we read the Bible, <coughs> remember this important little thought here. They didn't know them in the Bible. They did not know they were in the Bible. They did not know that we'd be reading this event. They didn't know. They declared what they knew, what they'd seen, what they'd heard, what they'd touched, their own hands had laid hold of, that your joy and our, that our fellowship with you may be complete. They were busy telling people what they'd seen, heard, but they didn't to some degree know that they were going to be central characters in this Bible. True? You don't know what someone's going to write about you. I've got a pretty good idea what they're going to say about me, but if they're not already saying it. At once I was in the spirit. Can we have a church that at once is in the spirit? When God speaks, we're in the spirit. On the day God speaks, we are there. Speak, O oh Lord, your servants are listening. We've all come together, a company, a church. We've just come together as a body. Right, God, speak. Your servants are ready. We've got a towel on our hand ready to serve. Don't let your ego become bigger than your towel. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne. So when you are ready, God now shows you bigger things. He's gone from a portal into a throne room. Wow. In one upgrade, he's gone from a voice into the throne room. Now he's beginning to describe, whoa, this is way beyond my pay grade. I'm now seeing the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I'm seeing everything that was always here. I'm seeing the life that existed before life existed. I'm seeing the eternal realm where there's harmony, tranquility, where they're all in one 
thought, of one heart, where there's true unity of the Spirit. He's in that place. And he says, I see a throne in heaven, so he knows where he is, and someone is sitting on it. Now, he describes that someone in a minute, because someone is too vague. You've got to give language and definition to your someone and something. Too often we keep using that word something, someone. No, keep clarity. Give it definition so people can build with it. It's very clear. Who's the one he saw? And then he begins to start describing he's the one, like the rainbow. Jasper, no, not chameleon, chameleon. He starts mentioning the priceless stones that he can identify what he's seen with. And he's saying this is way beyond anything I've ever seen, touched, heard before. When I was down there telling them about what I've seen, heard, touched before, I hadn't seen this. And I know I'm in a new dimension. I, this truly is an upgrade. But guess what? That was going to cost him his life. They were going to ostracize him. It's amazing. The man who had one of the great revelations is the one they put on an island. Now, you have to leave... When you come back down to earth and you've been in the spirit, the earth is where we live, is it not? That's where we, this is where we are. This is terra firma. But our life is lived in the spirit and on the earth. We can't be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly use. And don't be so earthly useful that you know you've never got a heavenly mind. You must have the balance. I realize that in my life, and you'll realize in your life, there are distinct phases that you have to go through in order for you to get your upgrades and updates. And there's a lot of baggage that you have to leave behind and become willing to be unattached to in order to get your upgrades. You know, when you go on an airline, you get a certain amount of allowance for your luggage. Yeah? But you know when you go in business class, you get more. But in the spirit, you take less. There shouldn't be more allowance for baggage. There should be less baggage the higher you go with God. Hello? If you're still carrying around your whole, you know, your old past with you and you're trying to become a prophetic person, guess what? You're always going to be, the filter that you speak with is always going to be from your past. That's why he said to the disciples, take nothing with you. Take nothing with you. Now today, can you imagine... Me going to some of the nations I go to, he says, don't take anything with you. Don't take a shirt. No, no deodorant, you smelly rat. At least take something with you. You're going you're gonna to pong when you get over there. He tells them, take nothing. He was making a point. Guys, become, I'm the only one you need to be attached to. So I realized that I had to walk through some doors. Now, everybody's trying to open doors for themselves, have you noticed? I take this career because it's a door. It'll lead me to this. And it's like the snakes and ladders. And at every level, there's a snake waiting. There's always a ladder, and there's always a snake somewhere in life. Yeah? A ladder that helps you get to the next level. But at every level, as the, the old phrase says, there's a devil. Right? There's always a snake waiting. In the corridors of power, there are snakes waiting to bite you and attack you. And I hate snakes. I hate them with a capital H. But I realized I had to walk through some doors. You know one of the first doors I had to walk through was this one. This church. This was a million miles away from where I'd come. I was a brethren boy. I was a good brethren boy. I was as religious. I, was dry, I had dry bones. And I was proud of my dry bones. 
I was so dry that even there was no marrow left in my bones. And I walked here, and this was like completely the other side of the world. Drawsden was the weirdest place, still is the weirdest place. And I walked in, I just thought, you've gone nutty. It's demonic, it's all wrong, because I came from no spiritual activity. Just love Jesus, I'm saved, that's it. To this whole expression that was going on in here at the time. And I struggled with it, I seriously struggled with it. And it was every reason for me to abandon and stay with the old. It was uncomfortable for me to sit there and listen to spiritual gifts being used. It was uncomfortable for me to listen to people give words of knowledge and wisdom and people being joyful. In ch- you don't be joyful in church. You must be miserable. Why? Because after seven years, I was miserable. It was penance. And here's people greeting you with the name of the Lord. And you're thinking, grow up, shut up. What's wrong with you? Take a grip of yourself, man. Greet one another with a whole, and please, people pleased to see you? Never. And I had to be willing to come through that door and greet what was on the other side. And I have to say, I didn't do it really well. I struggled, just like some of you did. So like some of you might be doing this morning, listening to me. I was, I am now that person that was scared, but now I'm on the other side. I've come up higher. And I realized that that was a door I had to walk through. Then I had to walk through a Canadian door. I was in Canada. I met a good friend called David Callerman. And he opened up a, do- a door to mentoring and fathering uh, that we never, s- that we didn't see, but we knew we needed and wanted. And it was like the, the young, this young man was crying out for something. Will someone take a hold of my life and begin to shape it? for the glory of God because I felt things inside and I knew I could never bring these things out unless God brought men and women across my life who would help shape me and get me ready for the days ahead and still need that. So the Canadian door was a very, very important door for me. It wasn't a door that lasted long, but it was a door nevertheless that I had to go through. Then I had to go through a Malaysian door and that was the weirdest of all weird. Jonathan David has become a father to me. And for many years, and that was a door that upgraded me in so many, many ways. Then I had to go through an Australian door with with Pastor uh, Pastor Peter and Karen. And that was a door that when God took me through that door, God showed me that all that they were doing was actually in me. So I've had to go through other doors. Then I had to go through a Swiss door, a Danish door, a German door. Because these, these doors have upgraded me and frustrated me in many different ways. But you have to go through phases in your life. And if you don't go through doors, you can't be upgraded. But if you're not ready, but you're willing, you're not going to get the upgrade that God really has for your life. Now, for you this morning, this may be the door that God has brought you through. And unfortunately, I can apologize. I'm the voice. I'm not the one crying in the wilderness, but I'm one speaking what God is saying. So Luke chapter 7, I could bring this to, bring bring it down a minute. I've got much to say, then you've got time to listen. Luke chapter 7, 
I want to show you the importance of leaving religion behind. Now, I know something that you may not realize. You don't think you've got any religion in you. You don't have to be in a leadership role to see how much religion is in people. You don't know how you got it. You don't always know where you got it from, but it's there. And it's been formulated. It's been categorized. It's been protected by you. You don't know your religion, religious, but it's in us. And God every now and then has to reveal something in his word to highlight what's actually living inside of you. Yes? Occasionally, from time to time, God shows me how religious I can be. Well, God, I thought I was being honorable to you. Yeah, I know, son. I haven't shown you. But now I've shown you, what are you going to do about it? You like your religion, don't you, son? Yeah. That's why I showed you, just to show you how long he's been living with you. So, the John, in Luke 7, 24, after John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. John's a central figure. What did his disciples do? After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. Was John talking behind his back? No. What did you go out in the desert to see? Was it a swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? Did you go to see a man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear expensive clothes indulge in luxury and in palaces. And what, so what did you go out to see them? Did you go out to see a prophet? Uh, yeah, I tell you more than the prophet. This is the one that is whom is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will, pe- who will prepare you, prepare your way before you because there's stuff about to happen after this conversation. He's telling them, after this conversation with me and you, and John's gone ahead of me, now I'm going to have a conversation, and what he said and what I'm going to say will we'll marry up. Yeah? Then he says this, I tell you, among, the, um, among these born of women, there is no one greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Wow. All the people, eat, listen, All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' word, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. So they they have an element of understanding. True? They have an element of understanding. They've been upgraded to a point through what Jesus has just said. But the Pharisees, oh, there they are. They're always there in the background. The Pharisees, the couldn't sees, the wouldn't sees, the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves. Wow. Because they had not been baptized by John. There was an upgrade that they had never had. There was an update that had not come to them, but they were the experts. Well, you're not experts, are you? How can you be an expert claiming to know everything about the law when there's another upgrade available and you don't know about it? Because their religiosity think they've got everything that was ever poured out. We've got it. And you know, that's where denominationalism falls into. 
into, into his problems. We've got something that they've not got. We've got truth that they haven't got. And each one potentially can betray that they've got something. They're the experts in that particular area. And their religious mindset will stop them from being upgraded. When God chooses to update and upgrade you, he'll send a man to speak a different message that makes you sometimes feel angry inside. Oh, the first day I walked in here and Pastor Colin's speaking and he's saying all these wonderful things and it was just annoying the stuffing out of me. It was just annoying. Everything was being pulled inside me. And I look at a smarmy rat with joy on his face. And this is, they, this is the unredeemed man sat there thinking this is the in arrogance and pride that here's a man expressing the love of Jesus. See, in my church, we never called him Jesus. He was just too intimate. He was the Lord. Seriously. You always know an evangelical sometimes. Spot him a mile off from a charismatic. You know why? Because they say, the Lord. Because there's an intimacy line they've not yet crossed over. He's Jesus to me. He is Lord. I have no problem. But I remember that distinct time when I could never call him Jesus. That's like calling me dad. Yeah, well, he's me dad. Yeah, yeah, but let's find a different word for it then. Because it made me feel uncomfortable. When God wants to update and upgrade you, be prepared to be irritated on the inside. <laughs> I love it. And it's great, you know, when I see people come into this church. You see the face like. And then people pretend to go to the toilet and then walk out the door. Well, that's fine. The same door that opens to greet you is the same door that, that slaps you on the back of your head on the way out. That's okay. That's okay. We all have to make a journey. That's fine. And I just love the fact that God irritates us on the inside. Because God's trying to reveal our religiosity. I love it. Don't always appreciate it, but I love it now. John was sent as a forerunner to Christ. John, go and get these people ready. Tell them about repentance and about their need to embrace the one who's coming after you. God was good enough to send a servant so that they could be ready. And that's why he says, look, guys, you think, is what have you come out to see? Have you come to see a businessman? Have you come to see a prophet? Have you come to see a reed being swayed in the wind? Actually, you've come to see a man who's a forerunner, who, whose message is going to irritate the, the living daylights out of you. He's going to make you mad on the inside. And then he's going to make you glad. For some of you, you're going to walk out and you're going to be mad, but for others to embrace it, you're going to be glad. And there's always two crowds in the church, the mad and the glad. And when God is trying to upgrade his church, the mad and the glad are always in the same place. It's true. And that's the way he does it. So then John speaks. But I love the fact that even John's disciples left him. Why? Because they also caught the revelation, John, you've taken us actually as far as we can take it. You was the forerunner. The one you talked about is actually stood in front of us. So why do we need to follow you? Sorry, John, you're a good 
you've been part of the transition. You, you, you discipled us really well. Thank you. We pay honor to you. Thank you. You did what God was saying. But now, here's the future. Here's the ongoing, here's the present future. So they disconnected with their religious past. And they were willing to be upgraded and updated and follow the move. So many Christians would rather stay with John. Rather than get in with Jesus. Hello? And then Jesus would lead them to the disciples. And the disciples would lead them into a church. And the church would then have pastors and, and prophets. And that are, these were doors that they would have to go through. John's disciples knew that this was a journey and there would be many doors, but we have to say goodbye to John. But many of us misunderstand honor. You can honor the past by disconnecting from it, but realizing it was valuable for a time. When me and my pastor parted ways, right here we were stood, and the word came. And now my pastor, it's not a great word for him to hear, the, the tracks that you have you tra uh, traveled on, he, meaning me, he is not going to come on them. Why? Because they're not his tracks. And God begins to share this prophetic word with the whole church. And me and my pastor stood there. And he's saying, like, it's like the wagon trays. He's going to pioneer something you've never done. And what he's saying is, I've still got work for you, son. Don't worry. But his path is different from your path. But he, you have to come together for a period of time so that he can now continue. So I had to say goodbye to my John. You see that? I had to say goodbye to John. Now that wasn't easy. Because John was my pastor. I had a lot of love and affection for my pastor. But listen, when he's saying go that way, I can either choose to stay with John and be miserable. Or I can go that way because through this door was a Jonathan David. I went from a John to a Jonathan. Yeah? And I had to let go of my religious past without my pastor being religious, if you know what I mean. But if I'd have stayed in that old groove, I would have been a dry old bone. And I had to come across over here, and that was uncomfortable, meeting Jonathan David. It's never been comfortable listening to Jonathan David. But thank God for him. So John's own disciples had to leave. There's some stuff and some teachings you must let go of. No matter how much affection you had for them, honor them. Put a stone down and say, Lord, there's many relationships that you've had. It's time to bring it to an end. People come in and out of our life all the time. But find out the ones you're supposed to go to the end with. The wrong attachments will kill you. It's difficult. And some of us, because of intellectual or cultural or um, personal preference, we stay on this path. And God's saying, detach. If you want to be upgraded and updated, you have to go through another door. Now, you can't go through that door if it's been shut. But I've also learned this in God. That door stays open for so long. It doesn't stay open forever. Well, God loves me. No, that's not about love. Well, God always wants to bless me. That's not about blessing. It's about you being obedient. It's about your obedience, not about God. Don't make it about God. Make it about you. Have you ever heard that song by Supertramp, Take the Long Way Home? 
take the long way home. Da -da 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 -da. No, sorry, I'm listening to the godly generation over here, aren't I? You remember it, don't you, fella? Did it sound like that? Something like that, didn't it? Andy, you remember it. Speak to me, Andy, stay with me. <laughs> it did have those words in it, yeah. They're the only words I can remember. Take a trip, da -da 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 -da. Da -da 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 -da. take the long way home. So many Christians are taking the long way home. So many Christians are taking the long way home. That's a gospel according to Supertramp, by the way. Why take the long way home? Why not? Is the doorway for you to go through so you don't have to go all the way around? I was watching a program this, morning, uh, this week on Corinth, on Corinth and the port of Corinth. And so one side of Corinth, this port here, you've got the Aegean and the other side you've got the Adriatic. Now, the point is, if they were to sail... There's only a short period of, of piece of land here. So what did they do? They had to sail all the way around just to come to the port that was only a couple of miles away from them. And that was treacherous. So what they did was they tried to build a road all the way through so they could bring the boats through. Yeah? So what they did eventually, skip forward in history, forward on many attempts, they built a canal. So now you can, even though the port's there, they can just sail right through and he saved themselves all that messing about. That's Jesus is the way through. Some of you want to go all the way around because it gives you license to stay in your own opinions. But God says, I've made a way through. Do you want to take the shortcut or do you want to go the long way? And some of us think we're spiritual because we're numpties. There's nothing spiritual about being disobedient or being numpty. A fool. So, What phase are you in? Well, our, do you always compare what we say here with your last church? That's dangerous. We're not saying what your last church said. Do you always compare us with the latest book you're reading? Do you always compare us with the last preacher you heard? I'm never going to compete with the preacher that you've heard because I don't know who you've heard. I can only be what I am speak what I'm speaking and um, I can't can't challenge the book you're reading that's your free will to choose that what what you can't necessarily do is you've also got to recognize the places I'm not at as much as the places I am at and have the grace to let me make my journey and I will help you make your journey but you know Methodism Baptist Pentecostal Charismania are all phases and doors. There's many more. There are many phases. People have often asked me, what kind of Christian are you? Ooh. That's a dangerous question. And I've learned to package my Christianity like this. People say, well, I'm a Pentecostal. Well, I'm a Methodist. Well, I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a Episcopalian. I love that word, Episcopalian. You've got to be sober to say that, haven't you? And I think to myself, all you're doing is telling me where you've stopped growing. You think Pentecost was the end? No. Was Charismania the end? No. Was Methodism the end? No. Was Baptist the end? No, John baptized. Jesus came after John. So Jesus continued. John stopped. 
And all these moves can become, if we don't watch out, our nail in our own coffin. And I've asked myself, well, what kind of believer am I? And it's very simple. Do you want to write this down? You might want to use this. It's not smart. It's not me trying to be smart. I'm an evangelical progressive. That's what I am. I'm evangelical because I believe in the evangelical fundamental belief. Jesus Christ died, rose again, and all those fundamentals believe. That's what makes us all brothers and sisters. We believe in those common core things. Yes, that's what brings us together under the name of Christ. But then I'm a progressive. And I will not be then labeled beyond evangelical. Because I do not want to put a nail in my coffin and say, that's where I've stopped. Because I might think that's current, but do I know when it's stopped? Do I know when there's another move breaking out? If I'm not tuned to the new move, all I'll do is think I'm part of the move that's continuous. And that, that, I'm not talking about the vent, the people inside it. There's good, good, good people. I'm talking about their revelation to upgrade and bring the church into present truth. I've realized that it's up to me and my church, when I say my church, the church I'm part of, not the church, I don't own a church, but I'm part of a church just like you. The church that I'm part of, we must together grow. We must expose what we don't know. That's the fun part of seeing you squirm. Exposing what you don't know and exposing what you do know and what needs updating from what you thought you knew is very, very funny. Be on this side of the fence, seeing the faces. It's great to update people, and it's great to see how they, how they, they try and resist on the inside. And sometimes you've got to know as a pastor when they're resisting God and not you. You know, if I say something offensively, you have the right to resist me and say, you could have said that differently. But if I give you a truth and you fight that truth, guess what? You're on your own. It's up to you. You have to come through into truth just like I did. I've got, I've got this fellow at the side of me. Because he and I talk all the time and we bash things through together. And if I think he's, you know, he's a bit off, he tells me. And if he, vice versa, he's normally off more than I am. But that's the point. Well, that's what you, that's what you find. I'm sorry, it's not my fault. It's the grace to tell him that he's wrong. And uh, no, without Phil's wisdom it really levels me at times and uh, it helps me to see things that I haven't seen that's why two is better than one now I have my own wife she speaks to me in a way that he's never going to speak to me right and you're not needed and uh, <laughs> she's there but what I'm saying in terms of clarifying some things his relationship very good for me in terms of a companion for life and intimacy a different, you know, marriage, Carol, obviously, started with her before they did you, so I'm sticking with her. And the point is, is you need that. You need people who will challenge you and get under your skin. Because there's a lot of religiosity inside of you. And with that, we're finishing. Honest, I promise. I'm going to leave one, read one more scripture to you and then we're out of here. Let me find it. Give me a second. Acts 18. I know in this room is um, I'm going to speak to Apollos in this room. Who's Apollos? Well, open your Bible, you'll see him. 
Acts chapter 18. Meanwhile, verse 24 of Acts chapter 18, Apollos needed an upgrade and an update concerning the move of the Holy Spirit. Now, notice key th the key things going on inside here. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandra, came to Ephesus. So he'd come to a place. And he wasn't necessarily ready for what he was about to hear. He was a learned man, so he was intelligent, which is good, with a thorough knowledge of scriptures. Isn't that what we want? Absolutely. He was a good man. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. Just stop there for a minute. There isn't a flaw in the man. He's a good man. He's a very good man. There isn't a flaw, but the, however, there is a need. Now let's separate the need from flaw. This is not a flaw, this is a need. But if he's going to continue on with his ministry, this is a serious upgrade he needs. If he's going to continue on with his ministry, God brought him to Ephesus to be upgraded and updated. Right? God brings you to places to be upgraded and updated. God opened the door because he saw within his heart he was ready. What I love about this man is he's an intellectual, he's smart, he's got a thorough knowledge of scripture, but he's willing and ready to be upgraded. Most intellectuals think they know it all, but not this man. So his heart is supple to the things of the spirit. And here he is, he comes in, he's been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great favor. Because most people think because they can speak smart, they're smart. You're not smart because you speak smart. You can learn language. The kids do it all the time. The kids repeat you and think they, they can get away with it because you get away with it. And then when they get slapped, they think, why, you? I saw you doing it. Yeah, but you're not me. They didn't tell him that. So he says, you've been instructed in the way of the Lord and you spoke with great fervor and taught with Jesus accurately. Though he knew only the baptism of John. So he's only been upgraded to a degree. His denomination, the Baptist, it's time. John, Paulus, you're leaving the Baptist movement. We're going to upgrade you to the apostolic prophetic. This is a massive transition that now Apollos has to recognize. Hello? So whatever denomination you've come from, when God brought you here, he was saying that's the end to some degree of that phase. Be ready now to, take, to continue the journey as to where God will take you. So he says, and then he says this. I tell you the truth, no one... Oh, I've got the wrong scripture now. Um, they knew only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Priscilla and Aquila heard him. Oh, now the lack is coming out of his mouth. So as he begins to speak, Priscilla and Aquila hear him. A simple couple. Beautiful couple. Godly couple. Begin to hear him speak his intellectual, 
he's, he's, he's probably got a little bit of slick going on there. He can argue, he can debate, he can reason. He's got the package. But they hear there's something lacking in his message. They hear there's, lack, there's a lack in his frequency. And what I like about this couple, what I like about this couple is they invited him into their home. And it's one of those, hey, Priscilla, what? Beautiful speaker, yeah, but he's missing, he's lacking in some area. How do you feel if you invite him back home? What, do you think we could do this? Now you think they're not frightened to invite him and to upgrade him. Hello? So if, if you get an invite back to somebody's house, they just may be upgrading you. And he gets a free meal out of it. He gets taken in, he gets some nice fellowship, and they upgrade him. In, what did he say there? They, they uh, invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. What a political correct statement that is. Okay? They explained the way of God more adequately to him. They could upgrade him with wisdom. They didn't challenge him. They upgraded him through conversation. And what made that easy is that there was something in Apollos that was ready to be upgraded. Very often, church, we come here every Sunday, or we come on a Thursday sometimes, and yet it would be wrong to say that your heart is always ready to be upgraded. And no matter how adequately we try and explain things sometimes, you've got your opinion. And you know if you've got your opinion, you know you're right, don't you? And so we keep on saying it, and keep on saying it, and keep on saying it, and keep demonstrating the love. And meanwhile, we're watching you take the long way around. We're seeing you going on the open seas and getting battered by the waves. And all we said, look, there's a shortcut here. This is the way. Nope. I'll show them. Go on, then you do it. It's your life. There is a mo love shows the most excellent way. And there is a different way to get to your destination. And part of that is you've got to pop through that door that says upgrade. You have no problem going on a plane and someone says to you, you've been upgraded. Sam found that coming back from Australia. The father had upgraded it. Is it nice, Sam? Would now tell me, would you like to travel away all the time? Of course you would. Of course you would. A father showed her a different way to travel. Beautiful. Your father wants to show you there's a different way to travel. And he's trying to upgrade you and update you. All he asks for is, will you allow him to take you through that door? Are you ready? Not just willing. Let's stand to our feet if we will, please. <coughs> Still got a few messages. Come up. There you go. Sometimes I have more word than you, patience. Other times you've got more patience than I've got word. Somewhere in the year, we bless each other, kiss each other. I'd ask you, if you can, just before the Lord, stand before him this morning and say, Father, I've heard a lot. All I know, Lord, is I've not always been ready. I've been willing to 
to listen. I've been willing to sit. I've been willing to, to do many things, Lord, but I can't always say I've been ready. And Father, I'm asking you, Lord, to open the door, to take me up, take me in to a higher level. Lord, upgrade me and update me. Give me the heart of Apollos. Give me the heart of Apollos and give me the ears of Priscilla and Aquila. The ears that could discern what was lacking so they could approach him. And the ears of Apollos, of the heart of Apollos, to acknowledge when someone was upgrading him. Father, give me this quality. I'm going to ask you now if you pray that. If you're sincere, if you're only sincere, don't just pray because I'm asking you. I'm asking you if, that if you're sincere, then pray it with me. And ask the Lord to show you the doors, to show you the couples, to, to open up your heart to the frequency of the mess, no matter how much it irritates you on the inside. It irritating you is not the reason for you to say, justify, that's not God. It's not how it makes you feel. You must discern the frequency to be upgraded. There is more truth beyond you that God wants to make known to you. It's time to leave the culture of John and join the Priscilla and Aquila company who have touched the dimensions of God that you are still waiting to touch. You must recognize people who are touching what you're not touching. You must recognize people who are seeing and hearing things that you're not seeing and hearing. God is putting them around you and in front of you because your father is not the type of father to leave you frustrated. He wants to connect you to the, he wants to connect you to the next dot so that you can find, follow, and finish the will of God. Find, follow, and finish. To find, you've got to find the door. To go through the door, you've got to follow the one who's speaking you. Come up here. Oh, Father, Lord, I pray, Father, this morning in this house, that, Lord, only you can speak to, to, to your people. Only you can speak to your people. And, Father, I pray right now that you'll speak to every heart in this room and that you will show them, oh, God, the need to upgrade and update their, their present Christianity. It's not that they don't know anything. It's not that they're not good. It's not that they're, they're not noble people. <coughs> but there's more. It's the fact that there's more that lies beyond you. It doesn't make you inferior to those who know more than you, have seen more than you, to touch more than you. There will always be those who have seen more, who know more, who have touched more, who have lived more. And we honor those people. That's what we're drawn to in our hearts. That's how God gives us father figures. That's how God gives us heroes of faith. Because others have touched things and gone across to the other side that we've not yet crossed over. So Father, I pray, oh God, from this house, from this small house, that Lord, that you will raise a company of people up who will go through the door, who will go to the other side, who will, be allowed, who will allow themselves to be upgraded and updated in present truth. Oh, Father. Oh, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. 
I declare it in the name of Jesus. Come on, really tell the Lord. If you want more, tell him. Tell him, upgrade me, Lord. Upgrade me. Don't put, don't put limitations or, uh, or um, suggestions. Tell him the areas that you need upgrading. Your relationship with him. Lord, let me hear your voice clearer. Let me feel your, your pulse clearer, oh God, in my heart. Make your voice clear. Let it, right, let it sit above all the noises and distractions I have in my life. Let your voice become clear. Oh, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. On Thursday, we're going to take this thing a little bit deeper. I believe God has brought us to a place. You are not Pentecostals. Listen, listen to me. This church was known as Bethel Pentecostal. That was just a stage in our transition. We are not Pentecostal in that sense. Listen to what I'm saying. In that context, we will not be defined by the past. We are progressive. We're alive. We have to be progressive. Amen? As long as we're alive, we have to continue to be progressive. I understand that's where some of our roots and that's where some of our truths came from. And we honor that. We honor that. I'm standing on the giants of Pentecostal fathers. On the shoulders, should say, of Pentecostal fathers. I'm not abandoning what they've taught me. What I'm saying is they had their race to run. That was their truth. And they brought me to where I am. But I had to press so I could bring a whole company across to where I am. And then the Paul's generation who come after me will build alongside in our truth. And then they will have to take it. And that's called the baton and the transfer of legacy. We're not asking them to carry Pentecostalism. We're asking them to carry truth. We're asking them to carry Christ to the next generation. Take the crossover. Don't take the denomination. Take the crossover. Amen? Jesus didn't die for Pentecostal churches. Jesus died for the church. Pentecost was just one move of God. A significant move. Significant. But there are many, 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 many moves yet to come. Amen? And we acknowledge our truth goes back to the author comes from the author and goes back to the author. He is the author and perfecter. No denomination can do what he can do. Amen? There was great need for it. There was great need for it. But there's more truth now available to us. Amen? Don't be sidetracked by one aspect. I'm a faith man. Well, I'm a faith man. Well, I'm a Baptist. Well, I'm a Baptist. Well, I'm prophetic. Well, I'm prophetic. So, I've showed you that I'm more than one. Why? I've showed you where I've progressed. You've shown me where you've stopped. Amen? Do you understand this church? In my heart towards you today. God wants to upgrade us. Who wants an upgrade? Don't turn right on the plane, turn left. That's where upgrade is. Once you've been in upgrade, you never want to go back to economy. Lord bless you. Cafe's open. If we can move the chairs and get the toys out 
before we go to the cafe, but you're most most welcome to have brew, paninis, 